Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I have always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have near-death experiencer, Michelle Claire. Michelle died three times, and not only did she see Jesus, but she also ran into her 12-foot guardian angel and many, many other things on the other side. This story is remarkable, and I cannot wait to share it with you guys. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Michelle Claire. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm wonderful. How are you today, Alex? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You've lived a very uneventful life, obviously, uh, why you're here on the show. Uh, <laughs> but, no, you've you've lived a very interesting life at, so, thus far, and uh, you've. I'm here to talk a little bit about your near-death experiences, which is not just one, not just two, but apparently three. So question number one, what are you doing? And you need to stop it. Uh, right. <laughs> And other things that you do in the world as well. So before I start, the first question I have for you is, um, what was your life like before your first near-death experience? Yeah, well, I was raised with a dad who was in the Air Force, a mom who was an RN. So I had a pretty normal upbringing, I would say. You know, my parents worked hard. I have one sister who has severe cerebral palsy. So I always had a, a soft spot in my heart for people with special needs like that. And, and now I have a, a total of three sisters, no brother. So it was pretty normal. At the age of 12, my grandfather passed. And when my grandfather passed, I noticed that he and I were still communicating. So I would tell my mom, hey, grandpa said, you know, this. And she would say, well, I know that's what you think he would say if he was still here. So I quickly learned that this connection with grandpa and myself was pretty much for me. Nobody else seemed to be talking to him. And so I let it go with that. And then my grandmother transitioned a couple of years later. Same thing. Talking to grandma, told my mom. My mom said, well, that's what you think should save. She was here. So I learned, OK, we're going to keep this connection to myself, too. Right. And so, and then uh, as it, did you go deeper into any of this conversation, like in, into this vibe, into this world of being able to talk to the other side? I mean, as you got older, I'm assuming you obviously understood a little bit more and started going, you know, the other kids aren't doing this. So did you start to investigate as you got older into this, into this world? You know, I did not. I started, I did realize that other kids weren't doing this. So I just kind of kept it from my own little secret secret. And I didn't really share it with many people. I truly didn't know the word mediumship. I didn't know what that was. I had never heard of a near-death experience. So I knew I had had experiences after I'd had these NDEs, but I didn't know they were near-death experiences. And I just kind of always had this open connection with spirit, but I was very much aware that not everyone else around me was having the same experience. So tell me, uh, tell me your first near, tell me what happened with your first near-death experience. Okay. My first one happened in April of 2000, and I was in the hospital that day because my sister-in-law was having a baby. So I was in the hallway talking to our RN, who was my friend from high school, and all of a sudden I have this massive seizure. And yeah, I had never had one before that. So what I remember is I remember opening my eyes, and I am laying with my head in my grandma's lap. And she looks like the youngest, healthiest version of her that I can remember, and I'm just in awe. I'm in a timeless space. I'm feeling this blissful love. And I start to look around and I notice that I'm in this white room. And although the walls seem to be solid, it's as though every cell or molecule in them is alive and breathing and it's radiating this light and love. And as I'm just really soaking it in, listen, I was enjoying it. I was like, oh, this felt really good, right? Mm -hmm. 
I look up next to my grandma and there's a 12 foot angel standing next to her. And at that moment, I'm really just drawn into her presence. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to see her wings because I expected her to have these huge feather wings. And as I went to look for them, they were actually light. They were made of light and they were like the Aurora Borealis where they were just moving and iridescent and timeless, almost seemed to span eternity. And so I was really present. I would say I'd never been more present in my life than I was in those moments. And they actually felt more real than my daily life feels now. And as I was laying there, I looked at this angel and I was thinking in my head, what is your name? And she answered me. And I was really surprised because I didn't know anything about telepathic communication either. And she said her name was Madeline and that she was one of my guardian angels. So I am just laying here in this space, enjoying my grandma, enjoying the love. Truly, when we think about something like winning the lottery, people think about the freedom that comes with that. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to have to worry about bills anymore. I'll hire a chef, right? We, we think of the freedom that that gives us. Well, when we go to this timeless space, the freedom is infinite. We don't have to worry about eating, being cold, being hot, paying bills. It's truly all of our human worries are taken away and we get to be pure love and present in the moment, which was this experience that I was having. And I had grown up feeling loved, but I had never felt as loved as I had felt in these moments there. And so as I was laying in this space and just enjoying, enjoying it all, sure. the next thing I know, I hear someone yelling code, code, code. And I was back in my body. My body felt so heavy and so dense. I felt like I'd literally just fell out of a 10 story building back into my body. And at that point in time, I guess I had stopped breathing. And since I was already in the hospital, they had called code. So they admitted me and they actually never found out exactly what caused the seizure. And I had never had another one since then. Well, let me ask you though, it's since you you're able to speak to the other side, did you ever ask like why, what was the purpose of that one? Since you didn't have like a full-blown conversation of someone or have a life review at that moment or something going, hey, you're being sent back because you've got to cure cancer. Uh, that's right. your mission. Uh, you didn't get that. So what was the purpose of that first one? Right. So what I found out later is the purpose was really to bring awareness to that angelic realm and that higher awareness and that higher consciousness of this is real and you can access it, which is something I had grown up Catholic. I believed in angels and saints and all of these, you know, beings of light who were here to help us. But there's very much a difference from believing in something and then experiencing it. Right. And so that first near-death experience was about the experience, the amplification process for my soul to say, oh, yes, I remember. Got it. Okay. So uh, so you had this experience. Uh, did, did you start talking about it to anybody yet? And how old were you when this happened? So I was, uh, that's a good question. I'm remembering. I was... Um, about 25 when this happened. And I start, I talked to my mom about it a couple of weeks later. So I didn't, you know, like I said, I knew I had an experience, but I didn't know I had a near death experience. And when I told my mom this, she was kind of like, okay. I mean, she believed me, but she wanted me to somehow have some type of proof or evidence, which Obviously. I did not have. And, um, but she knew I told her, I said, mom, I felt so loved. I have never felt this loved and it was so real and grandma looked so healthy and this angel talked to me. And so she very much believed me, but she was always trying to wrap her scientific mind around how this is happening and how it could be. Okay. So how old were you when you had the second one? So when I had the second one, I was 32. Okay. And what, and what happened in this one? Okay. So with that one, I had had my son. So by this point in time, when I'm 32, I have three little kids. I have a five-year-old, two and a half, and my son who was an infant, he was six weeks old. Okay. After I had him, I had had a lot of complications. So I was in the hospital about four out of six weeks. I had infections. I was on IV antibiotics. And the doctor said, well, we just need to do a DNC, which is a procedure they do to clear out the uterus. You'll be fine. 45-minute outpatient procedure, we'll send you home, it'll be good. The night before, I just had this gut instinct that I should not do this. But you know what? They offered me a quick fix, and I was really ready to be home. So I went in, 
And I had had anesthesia prior to this for other treatments. And I remember it was just a blank space. It wasn't a dream. It was nothing. It was just a blank space. So I remember counting backwards for the anesthesiologist. And the next thing I know, I'm laying on the gurney in the operating room. And I had a beautiful white German shepherd named Tahoe who had transitioned a couple years before this. She walked in, laid her head on my gurney, looked at me, and we were gone. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. We just disappeared out of this room. We were on this phenomenal radiant beach and every drop of water, every cell in every plant, every molecule of sand, everything radiated this light and this love and seemed to have its own intelligence. There was There were just colors that we don't have here. There were, again, timelessness, peace, bliss. It's really hard to put these experiences in the human words because they are so much bigger than that. So as I was with her, we were running on this beach and I was once again looking at her. She looks young, healthy, vibrant. We're having this telepathic communication. She's so happy I'm there. And I noticed we're running on the sand but it actually ends up feeling like clouds. It doesn't feel like beach sand, right? And I start to notice after a while, gosh, I'm not getting tired. I'm not getting hot. I'm not getting thirsty. And it felt like we had run quite a while. At that moment, um, well, here's a little funny side note to that. I actually personally hate running. And I tell people if they see me running, call 911. That's like an emergency, right? That's not me just going for a jog. So here I am in my near-death experience, just running on the beach, right? Loving every moment of this. But what it really was, was it was being present in that moment. And one of the things I learned in this near-death experience was there was only each step that I took. There was only each breath that I was taking. So it was about being truly present in the moment, which is a huge challenge for us as humans, because we have a million things pulling on our energy and our attention at all times. Mm -hmm. So as I was running with her on this beach, all of a sudden, I could feel my son, who was back at my house with my mom, calling to me. And he was scared because he knew I was getting ready to leave. And so in that moment, my soul was able to be in more than one place at a time, which I didn't know our souls could do before that. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to him and I remember saying to him, I promise I'm not going to leave you. I will find a way to stay. And I start praying and I start saying, it's not my time. I need help. The next thing I know, I'm back in the operating room, but not laying on the gurney. I'm standing there almost, almost overviewing it. I feel Jesus come in. And Jesus comes in very much as my friend, like, I'm here to help you. What do you need? Not the bow down to me, start praying. It was like, here I am, right? And it was so comforting and so full of love. And I see this operating room light up. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up in post-op and my 45-minute procedure turned into a three and a half hour emergency surgery because they had ruptured my uterus in two places and they actually missed my aorta by a millimeter. Oh, right then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that gut feeling the night before about maybe you shouldn't do this probably should have started there. So again, so this is another experience. So both these near death experiences are not, uh, for lack of a better word, traditional. There's, there's, these are more just, they're, they're not the, the, you know, I'm sure the third one will be a little bit different, but Mm -hmm. they just seem like experiences almost dreamlike in many ways. Um, there's, there isn't, it doesn't seem like there's anyone talking to you other than your dog and you're running on the beach. That's very dreamlike. That's not Mm -hmm. associated normally with a near death experience, but I understand like I had anesthesia when I was uh, younger, I had an operation and I just remember black. It was just, Mm -hmm. it's gone. And then I, next thing I remember was waking up. That was it. There was no, I didn't have any experiences. So I understand the the pit of darkness that anesthesia puts you in. Like there's no dreaming, there's no thinking. It's you're done. You're out. Right. Cold. So I understand that, but it's really interesting that. And so what was the purpose of the second one? Or was this just like, oops, like, (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I know. Well, I think it was an oops on the doctor's part. We'll obviously, the oops obviously. There, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it was actually once again about so my soul remembering and kind of this amplification process where it was now I had an awareness. My soul can be in more than one place at a time. I'm multitasking. Uh. I found out I, I had always grown up believing in Jesus, but guess what? I had firsthand contact with him. He was real and he wasn't coming in asking me to bow down and pray to him and sit his, at his feet for eternity and sing to him, right? He was there as my friend to help me. And so it really brought together um, a true knowing in my heart and my mind and my body and my soul that we are supported and we are guided and we are loved and we are watched out for more than our human mind can ever comprehend. So it's from from my understanding, like so to learn that lesson, they're you're, they're going to an extreme here. You're dying. A lot of these lessons that you're just talking about, people get it through meditation, have gurus who walk through mm -hmm. them. There's so many other ways to get this information, but with you, they they keep killing you. This you is know, a this is a problem. <laughs> it is a problem. I would never say I did it the easy way. I did not. <laughs> It just because I mean everything you just said, I'm like, oh, there's Jesus. Like, well, the people find that in meditations, people find that in right. deep meditation. You know, they go off to, to India and they can find that, or or yes. they have yogis or they have gurus. All this information, everything you've gone through so far in these two near-death experiences can easily have been discovered in other ways. Is there a reason why are you just stubborn that they, they said <laughs> she's hard-headed? We're gonna have to do something to really get her attention, which I've heard as well. Is that right. what you think happened? I do think that that was part of it. I would also say the upbringing that I had, I wasn't, you know, my mom at that point in time was like, don't even go to a chiropractor. Chiropractors <laughs> are bad. Well, now you see them on every corner, right? Right. So, right. and everyone goes to a chiropractor pretty much, right? So I was raised in this very kind of strict Catholic, this is what we do. This is the only way to do it. Yeah. I had no idea what meditation was. I, there was no way my mom was going to suggest I go find a guru to help me fight. So Got I think it. my soul said, I will find this but I'm going to have to do it the hard way because I also believe I did choose that family and I did choose that upbringing. Right. This is the path. This is the path that you were, this is the, the plan that you kind of came into, into this life with. And you're like, these people are going to teach me what I need to be taught and, and, and they're going to set me up for the path that I need to walk in this life. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because I mean, I say it very loosey goosey, like, oh, meditation. Not that I was raised with it, but it was something that was brought into my life and and things like that. But I understand there was no outlet for you to have that. This was, it seemed like the only way that it you did. could get this information. It did. And then the other thing I would say about that is that in hindsight, the universe is always tapping us on the shoulder, right? Wanting oh. to give us a message. And <laughs> so I, I would say I had been tapped on the shoulder probably multiple times and for whatever reason chose to ignore it. So it kept getting my attention in a more extreme way. Right. And that, and that's, I, I, I say that all the time to people that like, oh yeah, you know, they start with the tap, they whisper sometimes, they tap right. and they poke <laughs> and then a car hits you like, right. Right. because you're not listening. So this was your car, essentially. <laughs> Basically, it was. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know. I didn't have the tools in my human upbringing sure. to find the universe in another way. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So now you're, you've are you gone through two of these. And have you already started to go down more of a spiritual path? Have you started to investigate what you're seeing? Are you questioning what you're supposed to be doing here? Any of that's happening these next two or these last well, two? Well, the good news is yes, that has Thank started God. to occur now. Thank God. Thank God. But not at great levels, but it has started. Mm -hmm. So I did start um, becoming more interested. Like I finally heard the word mediumship. Oh, this is what I've been doing with grandma and grandpa this whole time. We've been talking through mediumship. So I started to find out a little bit more. However, at this point in time, I have now a five-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, a, a three-year-old. I come back with a lot of physical trauma. So it takes me months to get back to where I was. So although I had another soul expansion, I did not have it still to the extent that I should have had it. Right. Okay. So the universe has tapped you and has actually yes. slapped you across the face twice right. already. Right. And it's not, uh, it's not clicking in yet. So now you have your third near death experience. Can you please tell us what happened? Well, I would just like to start by saying I was, I'm really happy to say I finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping I, I mean I'm hoping because I don't want anything to happen in this interview at this point <laughs> in the game. <laughs> That's right. 
Hey, but, but you will have the you will have it firsthand. It will all be recorded. You can be like, <laughs> she was here. She told everyone the fourth one would be her last, and apparently she was right because wow, she's gone imagine, now. Right? Could you imagine? <laughs> can you take a camera with you and send back right. the footage, please? <laughs> Oh, so my third one happened in November of 2011. For people who like numbers, this happened on 11-1-11. So there's a lot of ones in there, right? One more way the universe is trying to get our attention, right? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so in my house, I have 14 foot ceilings. I was about 12 feet off the ground because I have candles that are battery operated and every night they turn on and glow and all of this good stuff. My kids were older now. My youngest was five. My other one was eight. And then I had a 10 year old. And so my younger two were home with me. And I said, as soon as I put this candle back up, we're going to go get your sister. So I climb up the ladder. And as I get to the top, I feel it start to shift. And All I had was one second to think this is going to hurt because I knew it was going down. And at that moment, I am absolutely ripped out of my body, not in a painful way, but in a fast way. And I am turned around and I can see my body and the ladder suspended in the air. And I am standing with three people. And I had never met them in this life, but I feel like I've known them forever. They feel like family, close friends. And I actually, I can remember so vividly what they looked like. One was an Egyptian woman, one was an Asian man, and one was a Hawaiian man. And they were standing there. And telepathically, they said to me, what would you like to do? Do you want to stay or do you want to go? And I was a little bit taken back because this all had happened so fast. And once again, I'm in this timeless space and in this blissful, unconditional love. And I was looking at my body and the ladder in the air, and I realized gosh, it's going to hit the floor in probably less than a second, but I had forever to make this decision. And so I kind of got stuck in this little loophole where I was thinking like, isn't this interesting? They're not rushing me. I feel like they should be like, Michelle, Michelle, what do you want to do? Hurry, hurry. I had forever to decide. So as I was standing there looking at my body and the ladder suspended in the air, I saw a different angel come in. And this one was dressed in red and gold and absolutely just gosh, brilliant and glowing. And when I saw this angel, I knew immediately this angel is here to either take me home or make something happen so that I could stay. So as I was in this moment, I looked in the kitchen and I saw my younger two kids were there. And as soon as I saw the kids, I said, oh, I've got to stay. And in that instant, I was just downloaded with so much information. I was, I was told, okay, but being a stay-at-home mom's not your only purpose. We expect more from you now. You need to go back. You need to do your mediumship in the way that only you can do it. There's a million mediums, but we're all individuals with that. They told me that my marriage probably wouldn't survive this change in me. I mean, there was just countless amounts of information that was downloaded and, and, Some of it I don't remember to this day. What will happen is like something will come along and there will be a sight, a sound, a word that will trigger it. And I'll go back to that moment and say, oh, yeah, they told me that. So it's really interesting when I think about this. The pivot point of my entire life happened in the moment when spirit stopped time. That is when everything shifted for me. So clearly I came back. I fell. I hit the back of my head on the corner of my granite island in the kitchen. So I had a five and a half inch skull fracture that went up. I had a brain bleed, lost my taste, my smell, my equilibrium, part of my hearing. And they took me to the hospital. Obviously, what they decided was I survived the fall by half an inch because I had missed my brainstem by half an inch, which would have been the difference between life or death. And I knew when I saw that angel, that was the purpose of it. So after this, the next few months, I was really um, just trying to heal. I was in the hospital for a while. I was in vestibular therapy, physical therapy. I had different things I was doing. And my son, who was five at the time, started to get very depressed. And he would tell my mom, my mother-in-law, myself, whoever would listen. He would say, I didn't need to be there. He said, because he... My, my kids called 911. They were the ones who got me help that day. 
And he said, I didn't need to be there. My call didn't go through. Sophie could have done it without me. And we felt like truly in the trauma of the moment, he had maybe just dialed it wrong or forgot to hit, you know, the on button. I don't know. And we would say, Josh, you let the policeman in the door. You were helping. There were things you could do. But nothing that we could say would ease this burden that he was carrying. So the end of January 2012, a few months later, my grandfather, who had passed away when I was 12 years old, came in in my first really big, big mediumship visit since my head injuries. And he talked to me about my accident. He talked to me about my son being good with electronics. And then, you know, which is interesting because he and my son lived on this earth decades apart, right? So we know our loved ones are connected to us. And then before he left, he said to me, he said, Michelle, you need to get the 911 recording. There's something on there you should know. I didn't even know I could get the 911 recording. So I went down and I ordered it. It took a couple of weeks to come in and I got it. I played it and I hear them say, 911, what's your emergency? And I hear my son in his little broken voice say, Sophie, what do I say? And then he laid the phone down. So for the next minute and a half, 911 is trying to get their attention. They're saying, can you hear us? What's happening? And then you hear him say, I'm going to go push the panic button on the house alarm. And my daughter says, hold on, let me try calling 911. She hangs up the phone and then her call goes through and her call gets. So when he came home from kindergarten that day, I literally said to him, I said, Josh, your call went through. Help was coming. And it was as though I lifted a 10,000 pound weight off this little boy's shoulders. Wow. And in that moment, I got the gravity of mediumship on a whole nother level. Like this life-changing message had just come through for my son that I didn't even know was available. And yet my grandpa knew it was. And I actually watched it change the course of his life and his self-worth and his, I did something to help come back in. And it's very emotional for me of still course. today because part of my mediumship that I came back to do is to help people connect with their loved ones, to connect with their own soul, to connect with the fact that we are not living this life alone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's not how it feels in the human form. So in this, this last near-death experience, you didn't have a, you didn't have a life review you didn't go to a, a a place or anything like that. There wasn't a council of elders. There's a lot of these kind of things. You didn't see a relative other than these three beings who you felt that, I assume they were spirit guides? They, yes, they were my life guides, but see, I didn't even have the word for that then. They were just three really friendly, nice people who that I you felt like felt. knew me. Right. Yes, but and it then, wasn't until months later that I found out, oh, they have a title. <laughs> and then And then this angel was there to like, okay. What are we doing? Yeah. Kind of like a facilitator. Like, okay, I can, those five inches, I can make those five inches go quickly and you're gone and you're with us or I can save it. It was, so it's it's very interesting. You're very interesting near death experience because uh, all three of them have been very interesting because they're not traditional. They're a little Mm -hmm. bit, they're a little bit different. Uh, They're specific to you. And that's the other thing that a lot of people with near death experiences who are interested in this, they don't understand that it's not one size fits all. Right. Everybody has a very customized thing that they need to go through uh, for their for their comfort level, for who they are and what benefits them the best in the process of their life. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, people will say to me, well, did you see the tunnel of light? Did you? And I would just say, no, I kind of felt like I bypassed that. I was always just there. I was like, oh, here I am in that space. I I made it to those unconditional timeless places. Uh, But a lot of this, what I have found as I've done my mediumship and that kind of work is that, you know, if we use the word God, let's just change that to love. God is love and love will greet us where we are and love will always want to show us it in a way that we can understand and feel comfortable there. So for me, um, yes, these were exactly what my soul needed, which are going to be completely different from other people's souls. So when you're, when you're after this, after this, this car wreck that hit you yes. finally, and you woke up and you're like, oh, okay, I got to do this kind of work. Now I'm assuming you started going to do more research about mediumship and about psychic abilities. And I'm sure near death experiences, I'm sure you went down the rabbit hole and all this. At what point did you come out of the closet? 
to oh. your your relatives, your family, your your friends. I always I always enjoy asking that question because it is it for people listening who are skeptical about this path. Mm-hmm. This is a, not an easy path to walk. I mean, I've I've got people that were scientists, military, high and and people in the military, um, you know, professors, lawyers, people who had big careers walk away from a lot of money and everything they know to go down to be either a channel or a medium or a psychic. This is not this is not an easy path to walk down. It clears a room, as I like to say. You bring out the, you're like, hey, I'm a medium. It, it, clear, it depends on the room, obviously. But generally speaking, it clears the room. So how did you get the courage to, to do this? And how did, psychologically, how did you deal with the reactions? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right. It, it was very challenging. So first I did what any good person would do. I got a counselor and I started telling her, I'm talking to dead people. I need help. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, that's a, that's a logical path of, that you go down. Right. 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 I hear voices. Yes. I hear voices. Right. Like it was okay when it was grandma and grandpa, but now I'm getting messages for other people. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, as spirit would have it, they led me to the perfect counselor who said, Michelle, what a gift. Let's get you a mentor. And I. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. What are the odds of that? Well, you know how spirit works, right? It was all in alignment. So with that being said, I really struggled because I knew my husband at the time was very much against this. I knew that a lot of the friends I had were going to be like, wait, what? What are you telling us? Um, And I knew that my resistance, you know, I had encountered with my mom, not that my mom didn't want to believe me, but she wanted to understand it. And I couldn't explain it. It was just happening. And so I I stayed in counseling. And then I started telling my husband, I would say, okay, I, I got a message from this person. And he would just kind of do what my mom had done, except a little bit with a more freaked out energy, like, well, I know you think that's what happened, you know, and then just really try to brush it under the rug. Like, let's just pretend that didn't happen. And and so it became very challenging. And, and so, but what I found with my mentor was like, oh my gosh, here's someone who speaks my language. Like I can tell them the craziest thing that happened to me. And they're like, oh yeah, just another day, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so then I started realizing the challenge that we all face at different points in our lives when we outgrow people, places, and situations. And it's not that we don't love them and it's not that it has to um, in badly, but at some points we have to say goodbye to people. And so I started outgrowing friends and I really did not want to outgrow my marriage. I stayed in that for another 10 years. I was married 25 years. Um, but every step I took down that road of mediumship and working with people was a step I took away from him, or he took a step in the opposite direction because he was uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, and it, like I said, it's not an easy path to walk. It, it really isn't. And, and and so many people think it's like, oh yeah, it's like no, it's definitely not a money grab. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. It's yes. not. It's like, yes, because you're you're just rolling in that psychic money or in that mediumship <laughs> money, just right. rolling in it. Like right. it's not. It's not the way it works. You do it because it's a mission. It's a passion. It's what you want to do. And you truly want to help people, um, which is what I found I found uh, in just doing this line of work of talking to people right. like yourself. Um, now, I, I want to ask you this question, and maybe you can help me with it. I've never asked this question on the show before. We have this team of spirit team. Mm-hmm. It's called, called spirit team of, li- of uh, life guides, spirit guides. Um, relatives, loved ones, angels, uh, and probably other things that I'm not aware of. You know, Jesus is always around. Buddha's hanging out. Like they're right. they're always working. So you've got this team with you. When you're done with your with your journey and you transition, mm-hmm. where does this team go? Mm-hmm. Do you? Is, is there a bar we go to to hang out? And <laughs> I talk hope about, so. It's like to talk <laughs> about what happened. Like, you know, is it like, I, I'm curious about that because if you have life, like if you have a spirit guide for right. your life, when that job is over, do they move on to somebody else that they loved and help them? Or are they, I mean, I'm assuming they can help two or three people at the same time. I, I don't know. I'm just curious. It's right. a very curious question. 
Yeah, no, I love it. I think it's a great question. Well, number one, I'm hoping there's a bar and they serve Cosmos and maybe <laughs> some chocolate would be good too with that. Um, yes. You know, go have a big party afterwards. But yes, because there is an evolution process for each of our souls that does not stop when we leave our human existence. Right. And because of that, we, when we transition to these higher realms, to heavenly realm, whatever we want to call this, we are still going to learn and grow and evolve. And so are our life guides, our loved ones, our angels. And so, yes, there will always be a next mission. Does that, it doesn't mean that our connection with them will ever end because this is a deep, eternal, infinite connection. But yeah, they're going to say, okay, hey, I'd like to go take on this project or this person or this situation now. And they're going to want to continue to evolve and grow just like we are. And, and we're always wanting to help each other because we're really going back to that oneness. So let's say my life guide is amazing at talking you into coming back from near-death experiences. Let's just give them that title, right? Sure. They're going to be like, hey, there's someone over here on the other side of the country that's about to be born that's going to have four. They're really going to need me. Let me sign up to help them. Got it. I, I was just curious about that. I was just like, I wonder, is there a bar? Do they hang out? Yeah, Do they go to course. events? Like, what? <laughs> like, is there like a, a, a group of yes. life guys? We all hang out, like, and talk about our 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 missions. And I'm just curious. Exactly. <laughs> of course. You know, and and it's interesting too because I've actually had some spirit when I'm doing readings come through and say like, Hey, you know how this works on the other side? As you're planning your exit, right? As we're planning to leave this human life, like they like to go up there and talk about it they're like oh my gosh you should have seen me i went out in the fiery car wreck off the mountain you know and there and there is a planning to this so when our souls see this life somewhat as a video game right so we're thing, yeah. yes we're picking our spirit team that we're going in with we're picking our human team and then at the end we're like high five good game Yes, it's, let's go to the bar. <laughs> yes, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah, because I use that video game analogy all the time uh, mm -hmm. because it's just a perfect analogy for for what we what we go through. But when we're in the game, it's taken so seriously. Yes, because we don't know anything. We don't. We are Zelda, uh, and we don't know that we're in Zelda, and and playing a video game. So we're like, oh my god, there's a, an orc or a troll that's about to kill me. And right. it seems so realistic because this simulation or this experience, this illusion, the dream, whatever you want to call it, uh, the matrix is built so well that we take this so seriously that it's difficult for us to disconnect. And when you say things like you just said, like, oh man, I went off in this fiery wreck. I understand what you mean, but other people listening might be like, well, wait a minute. So is life a game? Do we not have to care right. about things? Do you know, like if I go off and hurt somebody, is it cool? Like, I want to make sure that's very yeah. clear. So from your point of view, how do you, how do you approach that? Right. So I would say that um, life is a place for us to learn, evolve and grow. Mm. And our souls actually come here to play with the magic of life, to remember that we are souls having a human experience. So no, you should not be hurting people. You should not be causing harm to people verbally, physically or otherwise, because that was never the intention of playing the game of life. Um, and but with that being said, it is so real when we are in it. And there is energy that is created by our actions and our words. And this energy will exist throughout time and space. So it is something that we need to be good stewards of. But at the same time, we also don't want to take it so seriously. We don't want to believe that the person that we have loved with all of our heart has ceased to exist because they've left their human form. Because mm -hmm. the truth is, if the earth was swallowed by the sun today, none of us would cease to exist. We would just exist in a different form or a different realm. Exactly. Um, it's, it's a fair, I mean, this is why I love doing the show because it's just, you go down such deep, different rabbit holes, which I'm about to start a new rabbit hole right now. Okay. Mediumship. So yes. uh, I've had, I, I've spoken to many mediums before and I'd love to hear how it, because I know everyone's different. How does it come into you? Is it images? Is it verbal? Uh, do you see dead people? Uh, like, like, are they walking around? Do you see them right now? These kind of it's these kind right. of because it it all, it all everyone's a little different. Like, are you Whoopi Goldberg and ghost? Right. They, you know, do they come through <laughs> you? They like to go, come in through and you start talking like you know, uh, you know, a, a jazz musician from Louisiana. Like, how is <laughs> how does it work for you? 
Right. And that's a beautiful question. Thank you for bringing that up. So for me personally, I get most of my information through feelings. Now I, I'm translating what spirit is making me feel into words. I will describe that often as looking at someone that you know well, and you kind of know what they're going to say before they say it. You didn't actually have time to think about it and process it. It's just there, right? This is how spirit communicates with me. So I'm translating feelings into words. Sometimes I will see things. I will physically feel things. So sometimes if somebody has transitioned from a heart attack, I'll feel kind of twinginess in my heart area. So I'll feel things. And then I'll also um, get words occasionally. Now, I often tell spirit, it would be so much easier if you could just talk into my ear and I could just hear you and, you know, and just tell them exactly what you're saying. But for me, it's a translation of feeling into words. The good part of that is... We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Language isn't a barrier because feelings are worth a thousand words. And so sometimes people will call me and say, hey, my loved one only spoke Spanish. Can you, you know, will this still work? Absolutely, because we're connecting through feelings. So I've, I've had that uh, conversation before where like in dreams, a lot of times dreams are our spirit or the other side trying to give you warnings, giving you understandings, hey, this is coming, things like that. But it's always spoken in this kind of uh, this language that is so complex and so difficult, meaning that it's like, you know, it's never about the pineapple it's something else like you know, the pineapple represents this. So it's kind of like a, a metaphor for the, and I'm assuming that that's kind of the way it, it comes in through medium. Like there's a feeling, but if you do see images, cause I've, I'm speaking to other mediums, uh-huh. they'll see like, all I see is a pineapple and a dog. And it's like, it's hard for them to explain what it is, but then it makes sense to the person they're talking to. Is that kind of like the way it is? Absolutely. I mean, I've done this long enough now that I'm pretty good at being able to almost translate sentences and sentence out. You know, I can get on that track. It's very open communication works. It it is a conversation. It's just a conversation through feelings. But yes, I will always say trust that one word or that one image or that one, whatever this is, because most of the time that is them talking to their person. And I don't need to understand what a peach means to you. But if I tell you peach, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my grandma always made Made peaches. She'd have them all peach cobbler. It was all over her counter, whatever this is, but they will give us that information um, to share so that the sitter is saying, oh yes, this makes sense. Is it something that uh, tires you or energizes you? I find it energizing. Okay. So it does energize you. Do you turn it on and off? I do. I, yeah. Cause I, I've heard people look like mediums so was like, I literally put a close sign on um, it's, you know, spiritually like, I'm, nope, nope. Don't come talking to me in the shower. Right. I'm off the clock. And then <laughs> That's the, right. and you, and you turn, okay, I'm open for business. Everyone come in. Right. Yeah. So I like to use the radio analogy. So think of it as a radio. If we're talking to your angels today, we're going to channel 111. If we got to talk to grandma, 103, we got to talk about work, 110. So we're guiding and directing. We can target the channel or we can open up and kind of scan the universe. But with that, I also have that on off slash volume button. So I never really actually turn it off for myself. I'm always open to what spirit needs to tell me. But yes, when I'm not in a reading with someone, I'm not walking around Target or the grocery store and talking to everyone's loved one in spirit. Right, exactly. So you just generally, I know some mediums do this, but generally you don't walk in Target and you're like walking by and there's a lady coming towards you like, excuse me, I'm sorry. Grandpa just came through and he's got a message for you. Play these numbers in the lottery. No. (laughs) I wish. Yeah, I I wish they would do that. No. (laughs) You know, and that other thing that I've found over the years is that not everyone is open to receiving a message. (laughs) Right? So there have been times when someone's loved one has made themselves known to me. Maybe I'm in a movie theater. Maybe I was at school with the kids. Okay. And, and this was before, you know, but not often once in a while, this will happen. And when that happens, then I have to kind of read the energy of the person who's here and say, 
Are they open? Ooh, I can tell they're really not open. And then a lot of times their loved ones just want to be acknowledged. Thank you for acknowledging that I'm still connected to them. Some people, because think about spirit, think about they know their people, right? And some people, if you told them that, it would shut them down or put them on a challenging track. Um, and so that's why I would also say, um, you know, it's not always, not always productive to walk through Target and read everyone you come across because people are not always open to it. To say the least. Yeah. Uh, I, again, <laughs> we're, I think in today's world, we're much more open than we used to be because this information is out there much more than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still um, certain people, like if your mom would have gotten a, a reading, yes, <laughs> right? Yeah. She would have been right. like, you know. Right. No, no. Well, let, let me ask you then. So how did this, these experiences and the work you're doing now um, change your religious beliefs? And, and it, did it change your religious beliefs? It, you know, it really did. Um, it, it did change them because what I realized is our religions have beautiful things in them, beautiful beliefs, beautiful. And we're all headed towards the same hub. So when I when I did tell my mom this, and my mom was really not happy when I told her this, my mom ended up transitioning from breast cancer. And about six months before she went, I thought I was sharing really good news with her. And I said, mom, no one has ever come through in a reading and been like, I just got out of purgatory. Call my family, right? right? And so I'm telling my mom, like, mom, there's no purgatory. You just get to go. And she literally glared at me. That was not what she wanted to hear. She wanted to feel like she had done her job. She had worked. She had been a good Catholic woman and she was going to get there on her own merit. And so she was not very open. Even at the end, even at the end. end. And so I just had to love her through that. So here is what I have found in a reading. No one ever comes through and says to me, I've had atheists come through. They're like, I'm so glad I was wrong. You know, I mean, there is this part where it's, it's actually so much bigger than any religion. It is so much bigger. We are talking about unconditional love. We are talking about countless second chances and opportunities to learn and live and experience and explore the universe and every dimension within it, right? And so when we when we're talking about pure love like that 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 supersedes any religious title you could give yourself. Well, I mean, love is the the only religion, really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Love, so I- kindness, all that. What I have found, though, is, listen, there are there are people in this world that religion is good for because that is their way to like connect with God. There are there are souls that said, hey, I want to come in, you know, spoon feed it to me every Sunday at 10 a.m. or, you know, whatever it is, like help me to build it this way. So it's so it's it's not that it's not productive. There are some people it's very productive for. But I will tell you this. One of the challenges with my near death experiences When I came back from that last one, I had a hard time finding another human that could get me to that connection with God that I felt like I already had on my own. And I kind of got to the point where I was like, wait, I'm going to church or to service or wherever to hear some human with his own issues and his own ideas tell me how to find God. And I actually felt like I had a more clear channel to God myself. And so for me, that was where the challenge with religion came up. I'm certainly not against it. I honor all religions. But for me personally, gosh, I have such a good connection. It's hard for me to find someone else that would be a more clear channel. Right. It's kind of like a, a middleman or a middle woman. Yeah. Uh, just like you don't need that. You can connect directly. And and I think if I'm not mistaken, Jesus was saying that all the time, all the time. The right. kingdom of God is within you. Everything I can do, you can do and more. You know, these kind of ideas have been around for a long time, but they get muddled up in in a lot of other things, dogma and other things like that, that kind of got thrown in over the years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the idea is to find self-realization mm-hmm. where you can connect directly to the divine. And when you're able to do correct, and that through meditation, through other other avenues that you can do it yourself, that's, that's the key. I think that's the goal, you know, all... All ascended masters, you know, all all these these spiritual uh, masters that we've we idolize over the years, they all did it that way. You know, exactly. they all went inward and found God 
through themselves and realized it themselves. So it's it's a fascinating topic. It really is. And it's interesting if you think about it. We are that spark of God. We are that spark mm-hmm. of divine. We really don't have to go anywhere else. It's right here. But that amnesia that we come into planet Earth with, right? Boy, we we take that pretty seriously and pretty strong. And so there are people who will distance themselves from that their whole lives. There are other people that will ease their way back into it. You know, there's such a wide spectrum. But the truth is that connection is already right there within you. You can't take it out. And isn't it interesting, though, that people who are against listening to things like this um, and they're very stuck in their dogmatic, like your mother, stuck yeah. in her dogmatic ways of her. It's also a, a, a sense of, and I don't want to say ego in a bad way, but ego in the sense that I've worked all my life and believe this all my life. And if I admit to myself that I might've been wrong, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Or I just, or I didn't choose the, this other path that this other person is talking to. It kind of negates everything I've done in my life. And it's hard for the ego to deal with that as opposed to a very open person. We like, you know what? Maybe there is other ways. Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe, you know, this is not the way, you know, there. I, I, even when I was younger coming up, I was raised Catholic and I always looked, I'm like, well, there's Buddhism and there's a billion and some people there and Hinduism, there's another billion and some people there. I'm like, it, some they they figured something out on their end that's working for them. <laughs> so how can there only be one path? And that's what started me on this conversation of trying to figure out where I can find the divine within my own life by studying all the religions and trying to study right. as much as I can to to figure it out because this is not an easy path. This is, you know, this is tough. It is. It's, it is. And you know, and this is what I would say, my, my knowledge about spirit, there are souls lined up waiting to get their shot at planet earth, right? This is the leading edge learning playground throughout the universe. So I would like to say every human here should get a badge of courage because congratulations, you signed up, you made a plan, you came in. It's not going to be easy but you're not alone in it and you can do it. And can you talk a little bit about your understanding of uh, the soul plan? And because that's a concept that a lot of, a lot of people have trouble with. They're like, so you mean to tell me that I chose to be in a family that was abusive or I chose to have a physical ailment. So my life would be tougher or I chose to have my heart broken all the time. Like it's hard for someone in the game against Zelda. I chose to have trolls attack me daily. Like, you know, like, so like, it's hard for, can you talk a little bit about why it is and how that works? So, you know, it's a blueprint. We do come to planet earth and we do have free will and other humans have free will. will. So there are a few things that uh, can change course or change direction on that. Right. But if I, if I'm coming in and I'm saying, well, we'll just guess what my blueprint might've been for this life, no matter what the challenge is, I want to become a medium, right? (laughs) I'll die three times to do it. I don't know. But with these These blueprints that we come in with, we say, okay, these are the lessons I want to learn. When we are in this heavenly perfect realm with no contrast, it makes it hard to learn a lesson. We don't even know what it's like to be freezing cold or boiling hot because we're in this perfect temperature, right? Think about how we use that contrast to grow. Planet Earth is full of contrast. So we will pick a plan. We will pick lessons. Kind of like when you're getting ready to go into your video game, you're picking who you want to be on your team. What area of the world do you want to go in? Are you going in into the jungle or the deserts, right? And then what happens is our soul is knowing that this is an experience, not our only experience, and that our life is eternal. So our soul, to our soul in the scope of eternity, we're like, I'll be there in five minutes and I'll be right back, right? Right. Eternity. So our soul will say, yes, I'm going to take that five minutes experience because I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to get to love. I'm going to get to do all of these things on a level that I can't do in a place with no contrast. And so when we're looking at eternity, we say, heck yeah, I'll take the five minute lesson. And we go in. I do believe our souls come here with the highest good wanting that to happen. And then humanness happens, right? And then we have other people who do other human experiences. So 
Is it all exactly the way that the blueprint is laid out? I do not believe so because of free will, but I think we have a baseline. And in that blueprint, we have built out possibilities. So clearly in my blueprint, I gave myself three opportunities to exit. Well, four, because we know I'm going to leave here at some point. I have at least four opportunities to exit. But think of all the opportunities I gave myself to grow, to love, to learn, to experience, to reconnect to my soul. Yeah, it's kind of like if you were born into a family who had a five-star, five Michelin star restaurant, and only thing you've ever eaten is absolutely perfection at the highest level of food, and you've never tasted anything but the most amazing food ever, and you have no contrast to that. And then the second you go over to McDonald's and you eat a burger, you're like, you need to go to McDonald's to have to understand how good you have it. Because you're like, oh, wow. So I've been imperfect. I've been eating this amazing food that I don't know if you've ever been at like a five star, like one of these restaurants (laughs) that they, they, you know, those little plates that they bring you like just a morsel. But you're like, what is this? And you take a bite. You're like, holy, it's like the flavor explosions. There's a thousand things, so much complexity. And then you go eat a, you know, a fast food joint, you know, joint burger. And you're like, oh, it's mac and cheese. Okay. Right. Yeah. And maybe even leave with a stomach ache to top that off. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, and then you've got, and then you're going to pay for it later. If we all know what that means. Right. Exactly. You know, it's amazing because what spirit really has been telling me, especially over the last few months is planet earth is all about the contrast because that is where we learn and grow and explore. So even the contrast, right. When we are in that oneness, to some extent, we're almost invisible to each other because we are all one. I am you. You are me. We are blended, right? But today, because of your beautiful contrast, I can see you. You are a man. You have a beard. You are in a dark colored sweatshirt. You know, all of these things that I can see about you, you can see me today because of the contrast I created. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if we were in this space of oneness, we'd almost blend. So the contrast doesn't always have to be a bad thing, but it makes it makes us visible to each other. And it also helps us know what we want and learn and grow. I had a guest on um, that is, is he he's a pre-birth experiencer. Mm-hmm. So he remembers his pre-birth moments. So like the planning, the spirit guides, the whole thing. And he told me the story, which was fascinating to me. And it's so, it's, 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 I think it illustrates what we're talking about. You know, he's just a soul hanging out and then he meets another soul and he sees something in the other soul. They're like, oh my God, what did you do? Like, how do you, like, there was a, a depth to hit that other soul that he didn't have. He's like, oh, I spent time on earth. Right. And he's like, what I want that. He goes, you don't understand. This is not easy. What I did. He goes, so it's kind of like meeting someone who has a six pack and is perfect in perfect shape. And you're like, what did you do? I worked out in the gym every day and ate nothing but chicken and broccoli and brown rice for a year. They're like, but you look great. I want that. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Not easy. This is not easy. So it's the equivalent of that when you're coming down here, like this is the chicken, broccoli, and, and rice, and working out six hours a day kind of exactly. experience to get that perfect body that we all look for. Right. Right. There you go. The perfect soul. Right? Exactly. It, this is this is the ultimate gym uh, for your spirit. And, it and, truly and, and, is. It is. And the learning and the, the growth that happens here is unbelievable. But listen, a lot of times people think that growth has to happen in really hard, challenging ways, no. but but it doesn't. We can play in the magic of life. We really can. This is part of what spirit tells me. We have our human ideas and we have spirit ideas and the human ideas are not usually beneficial. We're like, oh, if you work really hard, maybe it will pay off. Like we give ourselves a lot of challenges, but spirit's like, well, you could work really hard or you could overheat. So over here and daydream and manifest it and tap into your own abilities. So we have more tools available to us than most of us know on the human level. Oh, there's no question. I mean, from someone who's hustled hard most of his life to the moment where I finally let go and allowed the universe or spirit, uh, God, whoever to guide the process uh, and doors start swinging open. I'm like, what I've been doing all these years. I mean, you, right. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. I have to work every day and we have to, we have to get up and, and be participants in the, mm-hmm. in the energy of what we're doing, but trying to force something to happen. Like I want that promotion. I want to make that money. I want to get that person. 
that generally doesn't work. It's just kind of like really walking up the river, mm-hmm. upstream on the river. When you just let go and go with the flow, that person just walks in the door. That opportunity just happens. You get a phone call from that you just didn't expect or synchronicity happens and that thing that you've been looking for happens all of a sudden. Uh, I found that to be true in my life. I don't know about you. Yeah, absolutely. The minute that we stop worrying about controlling it and we actually live in alignment, which is with our spirit, our body, mind, spirit, and we say, okay, take over. I know you know what you're doing. That's when the doors open and that's when the flow happens. So I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a good life? Mm. I think it's to know that no moment is ever wasted. How do you define God? Hmm. As everything, as you, as me, as the sun, as the flowers, as the animals. Um, Pure love, though. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I think it really is to wake into the power of your soul and remember that this is a video game and your soul has more tools than your humanness will ever have. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? On michelleclaire.net, C-L-A-R-E.net. And do you have any parting messages for my audience? I just want them to know that they're not living this life alone. Um, You have a spirit team, you have angels, you have loved ones, life guides all around you truly encouraging you on your path. So being aware of that, and it's okay if you don't feel them, just know that they're there and they're cheering you on and ask them to send you signs and messages and connect with you. Michelle, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It it was an absolute uh, honor and and privilege talking to you today. So I appreciate you. I feel the same way about you. Thank you so much, Alex. I want to thank Michelle so much for coming on the show and sharing her story with all of us. Thank you, Michelle. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 197. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.